Education Conversations. Let's welcome our guest, uh, Principal of Okoa uh, Academy, Mark Anderson. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Patricia, thank you so much for having me, to you and Ben and the whole team there. So I know what a koa tree is, right? And I know what it symbolizes as well. What are the reasons why your academy has chosen to name itself by this powerful tree, a tree that is known for strength and flexibility and resilience, despite weather changes and challenges? Mm, Patricia, I love that you know the, the meaning behind our name because it's, it really is significant to us. You know, when we decided to, to name our school after the Koa tree, and the thinking there is it, it's got the wood that is strong and flexible. And, and when you hear that at first, you think, how can something be both strong and flexible at the same time? Those sound like oxymorons. They, they sound like they don't belong together. Um, but when you think of, of the wood of a koa tree, it's, it's used for things like um, uh, musical instruments, uh, where you've got to shape the wood into these beautiful curves and lines of a, of a guitar, for example. Um, so it's got to be malleable. It's got to be bendable. But at the same time, it's got to be durable and lasting. And that's what we want for our school. So we want our school practically to be set up in a way that is academically robust and strong and reliable, but at the same time adaptive and flexible, because we know that families' needs vary greatly from one family to the next. And at the same time, we also want that for the kids who go to COA. We want the young men and women who leave COA Academy to have character that is strong. We want them to be resilient. And at the same time, we know that they're going into a future world that is going to be very different than it is today. And so we want to equip them with uh, the ability to adapt and change and be flexible uh, in a world of change. And I see that uh, your academy is not an ordinary bricks and mortar, um, traditional academy. It's an online academy. So how do you ensure that our young ones who are getting education through the COA Academy are actually, uh, you know, not only having the interaction that is at the fourth, fifth, sixth industrial level uh, pace, but are also being able to interact with um, normal settings? Because I I say normal Uh, loosely, but the way life is currently. Yes, Patricia, I love that. I think where you use the word normal, we often use the phrase real world experience. Mm. So we really want the the, the kids in Koa, the learners in our school, to be experiencing an education that is as much like real life as possible. We we don't want them going into the workplace one day and being surprised by what they find. And and you're right, we are an online school, and we're very fortunate to be an online school. And the reason I say we're fortunate to be an online school is because it gives us so many opportunities to bring the real world right into the classroom. You know, if, if the child is able to access a world of opportunities outside the four walls of, of their room, then we really are able to give them experiences uh, either through platforms or courses or real-world people uh, through the Internet that can then give them a taste of what the real world is really about. Mm. So how do we ensure then, or how do you ensure that learners are learning what is relevant today, normal world, but are also accessing um, the jobs and career paths that currently don't exist? 
Yeah, Patricia, and, and this is a, a good question for all schools, not just online schools. I think that all schools have to be asking the question, how do we prepare our kids for the real world and, and what do we need to be doing in the classroom practically that sets them up for success? And when we look at the research that's coming out of um, the McKinsey Institutes or the Pew Research Center, uh, we see that the way that the current generation goes about doing their learning is very different to what we experienced when we were in school. Um, the Gen Zers or Generation Alpha, who, who are even younger than the Gen Zers, they want a different type of learning than we experienced. And, and a few characteristics that I'd, I'd like to pick out here, which are key drivers for us. One is the idea of um, having multi-customizable pathways for their learning, where in the past, it used to make sense to have a very linear progression where we're studying uh, sort of facts and subjects in a very siloed, linear way. And if I know what job I want to have one day when I leave school, then I backtrack and I work out what subjects I need to do now in school. And what we're finding is that actually doesn't set the kids up well for future success because the chances are very good that you're going to end up doing something for a living that you didn't study. I mean, how many of us as adults are actually in a profession that that we were led there by the subjects that we studied. Very few of us. You know, we, we need to be learning a, a wider range of things in the classroom. So we need to be bringing more enrichment options into the classroom that are maybe outside of traditional academic streams. Um, the second thing that, that we try and do, which which is in line with, with the research that's coming out of these, these institutions, is because of the current generation is a digital generation, they have to be given digital opportunities for learning. Um, and we're trying to bring as much of that into the school as we can and saying, look, in, in the real world, you're going to be engaging online. You know, whatever job you have, the chances are good that it's going to be somehow online. The Pew Research Center says that by 2030, more than half of the world's jobs are either going to be online or fully automated. And so if we're not bringing the digital world into our classrooms as much as possible, then we're not preparing our kids for the world that they're going into one day. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking now for um, our A-teamers who are listening. A-teamers, if you're a parent and you ask yourself the question that I always ask myself, will the careers that I currently know as a parent, as an adult today, as a person who's economically um, contributing economically, will they still exist by the time my little one um, is finished with their education? And if they don't exist, then what is the plan? Am I shaping my child to be able to adapt to the changes? Is the education that my child is getting at school traditionally and also education that we give them at home, does it allow them to adapt quickly? What can we do to make sure that our children are not left behind? I mean, you remember that there were games like the Tamagotchi when we were growing up. That doesn't exist. I say that to my kids and they think, what is mom talking about? So I'm asking you as an A-team listener to let me know, how are you preparing 
your child academically and also um, just mentally and socially to be able to adapt to these changes. I'm sure COVID-19 has given all of us a rude awakening. So let me know as an A-team listener on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp on 614 SMSs go to 41391. Mark, every time I think of the question I've asked other A-teamers, I shiver. I shiver because of the way things have changed in our society, especially in the last yeah. two years. The delivery of education has totally changed, but now yeah. it's not only the delivery, it's what they're learning. And sometimes when you look at the textbooks that they're using, some of them are 10 years old, um, yeah. even older, and I ask myself, is this relevant? So how can schools and parents and the education department all come together to make sure that we are teaching children what is relevant, yes, today, but most importantly, what will move them forward in the future? Yes, I think you've, you've touched on something important there, Patricia, which is it's a conversation between many players. And one of the reasons that education is, is working 20, 30 years behind almost every other industry is because it's such a large moving ship with so many different moving parts and so many different stakeholders, that it's hard to get everybody onto the same page and adapting um, in, the, in the sort of time frame that we would want to see. Uh, we are seeing more significant change in education than we've ever seen before, both from a practical on the ground perspective, but also legislatively, which is a very positive thing. A lot of that has been driven by the pandemic. But even that aside, I think something that I would really encourage uh, the 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 eighteen the listeners something that I'd really encourage parents to give some thought to that is you can implement this tomorrow is teach your kids not to focus on hard skills as much as they focus on soft skills. This is something that historically we've not done well as schools as parents is we teach our kids to value the the mark that they get on a test more than the soft skills that they're learning. You know, soft skills like how they're communicating with people, how they're collaborating with others, um, how to take feedback effectively, um, how to think critically. Um, Patricia, when, when the kids go into the workplace, you know, you said it, what are the chances that the jobs that we're preparing them for are going to exist? Not very high. So if we're teaching them hard skills, if we're teaching them job readiness things over soft skills, we're probably preparing them for things that won't exist. But if we're teaching them those soft skills, those soft skills are transferable across any industry. It doesn't matter whether you're going to be a radio DJ one day or a, or, or an educator one day or a, an airplane pilot. In any industry, those soft skills of communication, critical thinking, collaboration, creativity, those are the things that will set you up to success. So I'd really encourage parents and educators to start thinking through how am I teaching my child to value those things and look for opportunities to grow in those soft skills? You know, I sometimes hear people say the more things change, it's the more things stay the same. In these uh, future jobs and careers that um, you say currently don't exist and we should be anticipating them, how critical is it for us and for the education system and academies like yours to ensure that at least we entice our young people to go to the bare minimum and basics like farming, 
agriculture mm. and then using technology to improve those and mitigate climate change. I've noticed you, when you ask any young person, oh, what are your future ambitions? What do you want to be when you grow up? It's all these big things. Nothing that's going to sustain us. We're not going to eat in the future. We're just going to have robots. <laughs> That's right. And, and I think, Patricia, when, when I ask, a, you know, let's say a 12-year-old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would love if their answer was something along the lines of, I want to be a, a, a meaningful collaborator in some way. I want, to be a, I want to create something new that makes a difference in the world, rather than, you know, I want to be a, a specific profession. Um, because that's the sort of drive that a child can go into any industry and be an innovator and be a disruptor, be a creator and and really make a change, whether it's on a you know in a particular profession or in a trade skill or um, it doesn't matter what their environment would be if if they're looking for an opportunity to to exercise those soft skills, then they're going to make a difference. Hmm. So let's uh, teach those soft skills. Uh, I'm looking at your website right now and I'm looking at the languages that you offer and you don't have much of a big scope. Are you ex- are, are you intending on expanding on languages? Because we even heard mm. from the basic um, um, education minister, Angie Mutsaka, how important and vital it is for children to learn in their mother tongues. And I only yeah. see just two yeah. languages here as core languages, English and Afrikaans. Will this improve? Will this change? Absolutely. So, Patricia, this is something that's really important to us. Um, as a fairly young school, obviously, we're starting with a, a handful of subject offerings. Um, both in elective subjects and in languages, and we're looking to grow in those departments. At the moment, we've got English and Afrikaans, and as of June, July this year, we're launching Isizulu, which we're very excited about, and looking to build in more South African languages as well. One of the other things that we're particularly excited about in, in the online schooling space is the flexibility that comes with falling under the umbrella of uh, home learning, home education which means that we can say to our parents who attend co-academy, partner with us. And, and if your child is Isikosa, for example, then let's find a service provider outside of COA who can take care of that and we'll collaborate with them and team with them so that your co-academy is not a one-stop shop solution. You know, we, we, we think of schools as whatever my school can offer, that's, that's what I'm limited to. But that's no longer the truth in online schooling. We're able to partner with external service providers and say, what's really important to you as a family? We'll help you find that. We'll, we'll bring that onto your child's report through an external service provider and make sure that they're getting what they need. Absolutely amazing. How do we get in touch with Koa Academy? So the best way to get in touch or find more information is probably our website, koaacademy.com that's k-o-a-academy.com simple as that Mark thank you very much for joining us this evening Patricia thanks so much for your time appreciate it that was Mark Anderson who's the principal of Koa Academy A-teamers uh, we're going to take a bit of a break and then we get into raising the bar speaking why do good people do bad things at work